This is the Gospel Revolution. Since you're knocking on the door, you're begging to come in, yeah. Unaware that all the wild love's been knocking from within. You are the love you see. A perfect yet unique Here's the founder and president of the Gospel Revolution, Michael Lilborn Williams. You sound so subdued, Daniel. Subdued, yes. Like, like the devil was subdued, you know. <laughs> Did I just call you the devil? I'm, I'm trying to process that thought right now. <laughs> I would never do such a thing. And let me up the ammo here. Good morning, Daniel Thomas Rouse. How are you today? We miss our Aussie. Top of the morning to you. I know. Well, that's not what he would say. What was it? I can't remember right now. Anyway, <laughs> obviously he's here. So, yep. uh, boy, he gets in quick anymore, doesn't he? Yeah, he sure does. He doesn't wait. <laughs> that's probably because we pick on him all the time. Yeah, he likes exactly. it. <laughs> and uh, you're having a wonderful day? Yeah, it's a wonderful day. You know, it's been a while since we gave a weather report, but I'm just happy to report there's no snow on the wow, ground. Wow, so. that's a huge weather report there. So. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's weather going on around the world. There is. Yeah. I remember one of the, it's so funny because uh, uh, it's, it, it's strange how things strike us and what strikes a chord that causes us to stop and think a moment. And I had one of those little strange little weather conversations. So it's not always that the weather, you know, our our discussion of it yields no revelations, <laughs> but not not that it's expected <laughs> at any time. But uh, I had one of my friends in Germany called, and I was in Palm Springs at the time. They were having a tremendous amount of um of rain. And this has been, goodness gracious, a decade ago or so, I suppose. And, I mean, everything was just being washed away. It's something that, that she had not seen in her lifetime for that area. And she said, uh, Michael, she said, the weather here is just completely out of control. And I looked outside, and it was, you know, 78 degrees in the middle of winter, and and perfectly crystal blue. If you've never been to Palm Springs, the sky is bluer there because it sets down 200 feet or so below sea level. So it's almost mm. like you're looking up out of a chimney, if you could imagine that, a big wide chimney. So it gives a more brilliant blue to the sky. It's, it's really quite amazing. And it's just completely still. And uh, I looked out the window and I told her, I said, yeah, I said, the weather, it's 78 degrees here. The sky is, is so blue and there's no wind blowing. And the weather is completely out of control here today, too. <laughs> and she said, what? And I said, the weather is just as out of control here as it is for you. It's just different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, when we say the weather is out of control, it's like, it's yeah. always out of control. Out of control. Yeah. <laughs> That's because we humans have a need 
to feel that we are in control of everything, even the weather. Mm. Yeah. Well, as a word of faith pastor, I used to think I could control the weather. We did, didn't we? (laughs) I remember uh, a hurricane headed toward Crystal River, Florida, where Norval Hayes owned property. And he was bragging that he had turned that hurricane, that it was headed directly toward Crystal River off the coast, uh, out of the Gulf. And he went out and he yelled at that hurricane. And uh, uh, and the hurricane uh, turned and went north. And uh, he said, then somebody asked me, then it went on the coast of Georgia. And he said, well, he said, I just turned around and says, you know, uh, uh, God helped the people of Georgia. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh. So, yeah. Uh, there's, uh, it's, it'd be wonderful if we have that authority over the weather, but it seems we'd need to be able to take a little responsibility for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all power and all authority and no responsibility just doesn't sound like that, uh, that healthy. Yeah, I remember here, well, I guess it's been two years ago now that uh, Kenneth Copeland stood up and uh, rebuked coronavirus. Oh, yes. And, uh, you know, that it would be gone and he blew it away. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lordy Lord. Boy, can he come up with the faces for that. (laughs) You know, it's either got to be angelic or demonic, one of the two. (laughs) (laughs) One thing, this ain't normal. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so we've spiritualized the weather as much as possible. So what are we going to do today, Daniel? I think it's going to be a heavenly angelic adventure. red letter day. (laughs) Um, Boy, Michael, um, again, the study is just... um, you know, uh, I remember watching the movie Narnia and you would walk through the closet and the whole world opened up and you'd go further and a whole new world opened up. And I just feel that that's the way this study is going is we are, we started looking at eternal life and then heaven opened up and then uh, now the heavenlies opened up and now angels has opened up and um, boy, this world just keeps opening up to us. Yeah, this clarification of, uh, you know, uh, number one, exhaustively studying each and every word in their context has been so powerful. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, The fact that we've made it up through the book of Matthew from Genesis chapter one and found no correlation, uh, uh, of, uh, the, existence of heaven and eternal life. Uh, The eternal life doesn't talk about heaven and heaven itself doesn't talk about eternal life. They are, they don't show up Mm. in the same text together. Yeah. Uh, One is one thing and the other is another thing. Um, So it's, it's causing us to uh, reexamine everything Completely, uh, as you have gone into shock, I've gone into shock. Uh, most of our listeners have gone into shock. I think some just stopped listening. <laughs> <laughs> as uh, Ben Hunt said, he was just kind of scared where we were going with this. And uh, yeah. but what he didn't know is we were kind of scared too. <laughs> yeah. You know, and we went into it with nothing to prove. Nothing to prove. Um, 
I was thinking about that this morning. My daughters were arguing with one another whether they had drank from a water bottle at the mall or not yesterday. <laughs> and I was, you know, I, I let them go for a little bit because I was just kind of interested to see where this conversation would go. And uh, Evelina thought that Naomi had gotten a drink of water and Naomi swore she did not get a drink of water. But, you know, when you get to the point where you have to prove yeah. your story is right, all of a sudden the facts begin to change yes. and <laughs> their story got different than what it really happened. And, uh, and then all of a sudden you end up arguing. Um, but, yeah, we walked into this with absolutely nothing to prove yeah. um, other than a genuine search for the truth. And, and that's where we are now. We are just swimming in all of the information. Uh, you know, uh, uh, we're kind of like Noah in the ark. We're waiting for the floodwaters to go down to see where <laughs> we might be. Uh, some things we feel uh, that we can project uh, the outcome because of the weight and the volume of evidence that we have on the subjects to this mm -hmm. point. However, we're not going to weigh in on those uh, until we do get through that. And um, uh, there will be some of these that we are going to be able to, and I think it is uh, uh, very much uh, our responsibility before we go into the revelation to have clarified these uh, words and what correlation they have to each other. I think that is probably what we're going to find out is that the reason that the revelation has become so, uh, you know, uh, every teacher has a version. Um, mm -hmm. I think the reason of, for that is that no teacher has had a clear definition of the words that are used in the revelation yeah. and what they actually mean. That's, of course, just one of the complications with the, uh, with the book. Uh, the revelation. It's uh, the thing that has been amazing to me is that uh, uh, after uh, uh, when Daniel was here the last time, we decided, as we've told you, just to read through the revelation to see if there was any possibility of teaching on it at all. And uh, after we did that, uh, verse by verse, it took us two days. And um, I think we spent, I, I think it was at least six to eight hours a day on covering the whole uh, revelation. Yep. And uh, because it would invoke so much uh, uh, to talk about and cuss about and uh, all, <laughs> all kinds of things. So I, uh, but we, we held our feet, we held our feet to the fire. <laughs> and um, it did yield a picture for us, uh, which I had never gotten before. And uh, so uh, what you're learning along with us now are those things that's going to help make the revelation uh, a much more simple, uh, a simple thing to conclude what in the world is talking about. Yeah. So uh, there's many things that we learned at the time that we're not going to be sharing with you right now because we've got to teach on the revelation. But what we are learning as we're going is how much of this actually is the revelation. It's, it's mm. in there. It's, it's throughout uh, 
the revelation is throughout all of this that we've been studying, and you'll be able to see that once we get started on it in the conference. <laughs> Boy, Michael, we, we have uh, really built this up. I know. <laughs> we, it's not that we put any pressure on us at all. <laughs> no. I, so now it's like, boy, you know, we're going to have to do a live strip show if we can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> If we don't come up with something fantastical and um, uh, and believe me, you guys better be praying because you don't want to see a live strip show. <laughs> but, you know, even if we got from what I clearly see, the beginning of the revelation and the end of the revelation, mm-hmm. even if we clarified that, I think we would have accomplished something great. Um, oh, you know, oh, you're minimizing expectations now, I see. No, yeah. I'm, just, I'm just being careful. <laughs> Don't want to overpromise and underdeliver. <laughs> politics, politics. <laughs> no, I think you're correct that uh, if, and that's been our entire learning process, is first off, let the book, the letter, the story set its own parameters. Mm-hmm. And then once it does that, then you read within those parameters instead of being super spiritual about it. Uh, Because believe me, the revelation is super spiritual enough all by itself. You don't have to add your own spirituality to it. Uh, So, um, uh, but the, the place that we have come to, as we have already said, has uh, solidified. I, you know, I, I, uh, I started to apologize for my getting high on the last show, but I mean, I was I was not uh, overstating what this was doing to me as we were reading through it. I mean, it really was not an overstatement. Angels, we <laughs> have, have heard, heard get high. Get high. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christmas will never be the same. <laughs> But that's all we've done so far is follow the story. Uh, like we said, is eternal life connected to heaven? And is heaven connected to eternal life? And from Genesis through Matthew, we can, se- we can tell you emphatically there is no teaching of them mm. being the same. Yeah, and last week we started uh, in Matthew uh, looking at the angels and uh. their involvement in this whole story and that blew my mind. a little yeah and uh, you know uh, the thing that we didn't see going into that is almost every reference we see the devil present or his angels present yeah and jesus <laughs> yeah and jesus so um yeah there was a lot happening there uh there is now uh now uh francois and our friends may not see anything important about the quote work of the cross but all of the angels of God mm-hmm. and the devil certainly saw something very important uh, transforming and taking place uh, because all of the angelic realm got involved, uh, uh, Lucifer and his angels. And again, let me say this, because it cannot be overstated, especially from a former uh, uh, well-known uh, demonologist. Uh, that Lucifer, the devil, Satan, uh, demons, all of those things are one thing. It's fallen angels. And we found that in the revelation 
uh, when we went into the one chapter uh, to uh, uh, solidify. Uh, it's so amazing that that one chapter is right there in the middle of all of this about this this uh, war that broke out in heaven at a very specific time, and uh, that's when we um, uh, saw this beautiful picture that instead of that we overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. Francois had very brilliantly already pointed out that uh, the contextually that that was not talking about humans overcoming. It was talking about Michael and his angels. That's what the story is about. About you? <laughs> it's all about <laughs> me. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Michael and his angels fought, and uh, Francois, that was a brilliant catch on his part. And then what that did, though, is that we decided we were going to look at it in that light, and then all of a sudden it was very clear that if uh, if it wasn't our testimony um, uh, or the, uh, the, the fight was not between us and the devil, that it was between Michael and the archangels, then it was the archangels that overcame the devil by these things mm. and we knew that was not us it couldn't be us so uh and um the uh, testimony it has to be the testimony of christ remember that's when we were doing the series on the testimony of god and we yeah. started in genesis and we drug that horse all the way through uh <laughs> revelation and yeah. found this beautiful testimony the testimony of god uh, it was placed in the Ark of the Covenant, and mm. uh, that testimony started before the foundation of the world, and it concludes in the Revelation. Uh, it actually concludes at the cross, but the Revelation, it's like pulling back a curtain. I think it actually kind of says that to say, okay, we know what happened here physically, uh, yes, Jesus did die on the cross, but something did take place behind the veil, mm -hmm. uh, behind that, uh, into that world that has now become this world, uh, at least part of it, and uh, uh, all brought together. So we've, we have gone into those things, and uh, we have seen snippets out of this. But the the, real, the these realities that we have uh, stepped into, they all are just begging so much. It's it it is remarkable to me. And I know people listen to the show on different platforms, but it's remarkable to me. The degree you talk about silence in heaven for space and <laughs> it's like it's like we are kind of inducing that. I don't know if we have people so mesmerized that they don't know what to say. Uh, I just don't have a clue. So uh, we're not going through this with a cheering squad behind us at all. Uh, I think everybody's staying quiet to see what comes out of it. And I wish I could do that. I'd like to just stay quiet and to see what comes out of it. But, uh, but that is not our position. It is ours to look into this. And, and I, you know, it's very much, if we had no listeners at all, we'd still do this. That's, before we get into Mark, Mark, Michael, Mark, Michael. <laughs> I wanted to um, uh, pick your brain a little bit on some comments you made 
this would have been two Tuesdays ago on your Tuesday video. And um, you got quite uh, scientifical on us. And I was hooked the entire time. And then at the end of that show, Michael, you blew my mind. Mm. Um, because you begin to talk about the, um, you know, what we've been talking about for a while, the invisible world and the visible world becoming one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've been talking about how the physics that they may or may not apply. And, um, but you used a couple terms that um, we see in the Bible, and that's uh, celestial and terrestrial. Yes. And uh, that was very interesting. Um, I wonder if you would share a couple thoughts on that, because if it blew my mind, I'm sure there's others out there who have. Well, it's uh, interesting, you know, because where we are right now is uh, stepping into the new world of fusion. And uh, one of our listeners made the statement that fusion actually began when God said, let there be light. Mm. And uh, so we've always had fusion. Uh, it's understanding it. And I think that's just so gospely, you know, that it's uh, we are only discovering that that has been. We're not creating anything. We're not making anything. Everything that needed to change was changed and done in Christ. So we do, that's what we're actually beginning to see. And uh, Daniel, I think it'd be good if we go back into actually 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where that is mentioned. I, I don't know of any other way to do it to uh, explain what it is I was seeing on that show. To uh, just stop just a moment on the term of fusion. Uh, it's a completely different process than the nuclear power that we have now, which is nuclear fission, which is the splitting of the atom, which has also equal amounts, if not even greater amounts, of destructive power that it has even of good it, it's at least 50 50 and i'd say from what we've seen if it is allowed to be used uh, that is be even more way far more destructive than it is beneficial mm. uh and nuclear uh fusion has been worked on for a long time i mean it's 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 been really uh decades for sure uh, probably coming up on close to a hundred years now that this has been a concept that has been uh, brewing and and people have uh, thought that this would be a possibility. Uh, and it's amazing how that it does really mirror the gospel, the issue of fusion. But with fusion, everything changes. That is the the other thing that's very powerful about it. Uh, is that the one particle that it takes to cause atoms to fuse together uh, to create power uh, is, uh, is, is what they have found. They've been looking for this particle to see which one it was. And we found the particle. It was Jesus, right? Mm, yeah. <laughs> and um, that has done something called fusion between the heavenly and the earthly, between God and man. Uh, And now we're beginning to see even between the angelic and man is what's showing up in the story, Mm -hmm. Uh, is that there was a fusion that took place 
between everything that was heaven and everything that is earth, neither of those exist uh, at all as they did by themselves 2,000 years ago, that earth and heaven have become heavenly. Mm. Uh, and that, that term, heavenly, uh, is a very powerful, powerful term. And, and uh, you can't view heavenly as a earthly looking at heavenly because earth, heavenly itself means earthly has been united to heaven. That's what creates the word heavenly. And uh, so what we are studying here, I think what Paul brought out in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is fusion. And uh, uh, let's see, I, where would we go to start in 1 Corinthians 15 to get down through this? We, we may, re, in, in recapping this, and just to emphasize this point, this may be as far as we get today, uh, but it's, it's a point that must be absorbed in our psyche before uh, we can really understand. Uh, the the power of the gospel and what has transformed. Um, how about verse thirty four of First Corinthians chapter fifteen? I think that's kind of where this uh, uh, comparative teaching uh, really comes together. Of course, many things that Paul has said already is uh, verifies this, but this really gets to the point. We start in verse thirty four. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. No, I've got to stop already. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, Paul said that it is, uh, he was speaking this to their shame that they did not have the knowledge of uh, the, uh, the knowledge of God. So, well, what is God's knowledge? The God's knowledge is that righteousness exists and sin does not. Mm. That is, that's the knowledge of God. What is the knowledge of God? Righteousness exists and sin does not. It does not wow. exist. Uh, and redefining sin, see, as it has had to be done to, uh, hor- to uh, shoehorn in the doctrine of uh, original design, uh, they have had to eliminate uh, the word, the definition of sin that the scriptures give it, and they've redefined it. But what they've done is redefined it into something that will exist forever. Yeah. It can't be done away with because they say sin is a fallen perception of God. Well, uh, hey, uh, I don't care how aware you are, your perception of God is not complete. Uh, it doesn't make any difference who we are. Uh, our perception, our understanding of God is and always will be incomplete. So that means that the human race will be in a state of sin forever, mm-hmm. which negates the entire work of the cross, which was uh, completely uh, foretold. It was planned out before the foundation of the world. It was carried out and uh, the culmination uh, predestination of people's lives to bring this point uh, of uh, uh, to a conclusion 
And But if you redefine sin as a point where that Adam lost his proper uh, view of God, you leave sin in existence way beyond the cross. Uh, you preserve sin. Uh, and I don't want to live with a preserved dead body around me. Mm. That's what they have done. They have preserved the dead body of sin by redefining it. Uh, when we know the fact of it is, is that uh, Jesus did away with sin. And uh, so I hope that we have sufficiently helped to understand the deficiency of mere Bible and Grace Global and Andre Rabe uh, in their redefining the word sin. Now, we're not saying that just to prove them wrong. It is to prove that what Paul said was right uh, and the teaching of the destruction of sin. Again, if you redefine sin as any other thing other than as defined by the scriptures, and it is number one, sin is that which was imputed from Adam, and sin is the breaking of the law. That mm-hmm. is what sin is. It has, yeah. it has two definitions. It is not a perception of anybody's. It is uh, the perception of God's view of sin, not man's view of sin. And so God destroyed what he saw to be sin. And number one was the, uh, the image of the first man the, through disobedience that sin came into the world. It was through disobedience, and Adam did disobey. And that sin was imputed to the entire world. And then the other sin that we're taught, uh, taught about is the disobedience to the law. But see, both of those definitions of sin, in those definitions, sin is gone. Because what was imputed to us from Adam was not imputed to us through Christ. Remember, we went through that whole thing, and what yep. a wonderful insight. We were not imputed with righteousness because righteousness imputed must require, does require belief, just mm-hmm. like imputed sin required unbelief. So the issue of believing or not believing is not an issue anymore because neither, because it is not a sin. The issue of the uh, breaking of the law is no longer an issue, not because we all use God's grace and keep God's law now. It's because that Jesus did away with the law. So there is an absolute conclusion to sin altogether. Sin is over. If you hear somebody tell you that sin in any form is, uh, by any definition, is still alive, you need to say to them, awake to righteousness uh, and not sin. Mm. They, have, they have, in their attempt to awake to righteousness, they've awakened unto sin. Yeah. And it's like, no, you woke up in the wrong world. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the world that I woke up to, there is no sin. Mm. There, there is no sin. And uh, so... Uh, Why do we emphasize this point? Because this is part of the power of the gospel. It's this awakening to righteousness and not sin. And to understand the only way that you'll ever believe, conceive, embrace, entertain the fact that you're righteous 
is if there is no definition of sin in any form that survives today, because mm-hmm. your own conscience will not allow you to accept that you are righteous if there is such a thing as sin. Wow. Your own consciousness rejects the righteousness of God, because if sin has exists in any form, you know it's you. Mm-hmm. You know you're the one that failed. You know that you're the one that didn't believe. I remember going through all of this stuff, uh, every meeting. I I went to all the meetings right behind all the meetings that they said all the miracles took place in with with, uh, Hagen, Dub Hagen, uh, uh, um, uh, Brother Hagen's brother, and uh, a really strange dude to add. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the... uh, uh, all of these miracles everybody was talking about, you know, that we've mentioned many times, all the miracles we heard about. And then every service that I got in, there weren't no miracles. <laughs> yeah. Well, guess what I figured out? I need to stop coming for these people's sake because obviously the reason it's not happened is because sin is present because I know me mm. and I know I'm not pure. I know I'm not clean. Wow. I know I've yeah. not prayed enough. I know I'm not. I am the one who's stopping all the miracles. So you see, that's just the human psyche. If there's a problem between, if if anybody defines a problem between God and man, whether it's perception or uh, unbelief or whatever it is, and you can't look at the cross and see that that clearly defined, you will never awake to righteousness. Mm-hmm. You cannot wake to righteousness until sin in your own psyche has been completely eradicated. But if you if you allow the gospel, because Jesus eradicated sin, the gospel does not eradicate sin. It wakes you up to the fact that sin has been eradicated. And once once sin is eradicated out of uh, number one, it was eradicated at, at the cross death, burial, and resurrection. The gospel is the power of God because it contains that story. Because the ability to wake up and never entertain the thought again that you are in sin. And uh, so we find that the redefining of sin is actually a terrible blow to the ability of the gospel ever being able, people ever being able to awake to righteousness. Mm. Lord, that was just one verse. What are we going to do? <laughs> <laughs> you know, as you made that those comments, I, the one we had received a comment on Facebook here uh, this week from Marcel, and uh, it was something along the lines of, you know, why why are we do we mention the Christian mystics so much? Um, you know, what, what's up with all of this? Well, this is it. Yeah, <laughs> this is the this reason is why. Yeah. Because they have redefined the story and thus redefined the outcome yeah. of the story. And people are suffering because of it. And as long as you're redefining what sin is, you're still trying to deal with sin. And uh, that's a big issue. And uh, as Michael said, if that's where you are, then you'll never be able to comprehend the gospel in its entirety. Yeah, and and to say that we are only emphasizing the mystic uh, Christians, we're emphasizing Christianity and mysticism. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they both are doing the same thing. I don't understand the defense of the mystic. I mean, I, I don't, I don't get that. I have only one defense and that's for the gospel. Yeah. And, uh, uh, it's good enough for Paul, and it's good enough for me. <laughs> so, uh, I stand here in defense, uh, and someone would say, and I agree, the gospel needs no defense. But uh, it, 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 when you know that the gospel is the power of God and people are teaching things that are not gospel, you must speak up about it. Mm-hmm. You must. Now, if we are saying anything that is not gospel, speak up. Uh, we we invite it, we entreat it, uh, we uh, we we beg for it, uh, because the last thing in the world we want to do is take away the power of God out of the gospel. You say, do you mean a human being has the ability to take the power of God out of the gospel? Yes, because the gospel is only and mm. simply a story, but it is also only and powerfully the power of wow. God all in one. So you change the simplicity of the story. You take out the, the extraordinary power of God out of the story. If you don't get the story, right. So, uh, why is this, uh, uh, why are we on the mystics? We're not, uh, they any more than we are anyone else who is not keeping the story yeah. as the story. Well, we better move on. <laughs> yes, you better. I don't know what you're doing here. Uh, verse 35. <laughs> but someone will say, how were the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Oh, oh. you making me stop already? Oh, no, I, I, I will be quiet. Yes, please keep going. Foolish one. What you sow is not made alive unless it dies. But what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be, but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as it, as, but God gives it a body as he pleases, and to each seed its own body. All flesh is not the same, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of animals, another of fish, and another of birds. There are celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies, but the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. All right, let's stop right there just a moment, because this is going to pile up on us. Uh, Okay, so what Paul has clearly designed, uh, uh, clearly laid out here for us is the power of the resurrection. What did it do? Now, remember, that's what Paul said. Paul said, you know, uh, uh, he, he never mentioned that he wanted to be a believer. He said that he had given all of this stuff up, uh, the, uh, uh, the law and his prestige and all of this. He got, gave it up because he wanted to know Christ and the power of the resurrection. This is the power of the resurrection that the same man is talking about. How powerful was the resurrection? The resurrection, the seed that went in the ground, is not the the body that came out. The seed that went in the body, uh, and then he starts talking about birds and cows and donkeys and 
fish and stuff. It's like, what? And uh, But he's made it very clear when he comes down to verse 40, there is a celestial body. Now, that may, it just simply means a heaven, uh, a heavenly body and a terrestrial, and that means an earthly body. So, uh, but this is where Paul begins to explain mm-hmm. how powerful the resurrection was. The resurrection was so powerful, it's like sowing a seed and a bird, uh, a bird fish came out. That's what he's saying. Mm. Uh, everything has its own body, and he's he's brought this down. It's like birds have a body that birds have to be birds. Have birds got to fly, fish got to swim. Uh, but now we've got a swimming, flying fish bird. Uh, and that is the concept Paul is is beginning to introduce to us, the absolute drastic change that took place at the cross. For anybody to try to imply that no change took place at the cross, you're in that is his complete defiance of Paul's teaching in First Corinthians chapter 15, that it is so powerful, it is it is so amazing what took place at the cross. It's the same as a uh, the body of a fish and the body of a bird mm. coming together and being one entity. So he's got this down to the celestial and the terrestrial. So now uh, the one thing that caught my eye, when I, of course this had caught my eye, um, and um, so I jumped in and I asked Daniel, I said, let's, let's look at this and see. This is when we were not online. But we started looking up, so we've got to see every place in the Bible where the word celestial and the word terrestrial show up. And we did. And guess Mm. how many times the word celestial and terrestrial shows up? Twice each. Right here. It shows up here, and then it shows up just a little bit later in the same teaching. Same verse. Same verse. Yeah. Yes. uh, Celestial, terrestrial, celestial, terrestrial. Both uh, they they each show up twice, and uh, uh, all this combined four times that celestial, terrestrial, celestial, terrestrial shows up is all in verse forty. It is only mentioned mm. once. Now, what I know that's exactly <laughs> my reaction. So, what we had to do is, well, what does this word celestial actually mean? And then we kind of got a shock about the word celestial. Now, Daniel, what does the what is the Greek word for the word celestial? It's eporanius. Eporanius. Now, oranius is the one, remember, we went through that was heaven. Yep. Oranius is heaven. Heaven, oranius, oranius, oranius. It didn't make any difference whether it's plural or singular. Oranius is oranius is oranius. And then what about terrestrial? Epigeos. Epigeos. So the word uh, geos uh, is, uh, uh, stands, uh, it's for the, for the, the earth. Which is G. Yes. <laughs> G, man. G. <laughs> uh, so um, he, he has established that these two entities have their own body. But there is an interesting thing about the word celestial. Celestial shows up as another word. 
heavenly. It's heavenly. Mm. And uh, so uh, uh, it's Epiorenius, uh, and uh, that the term Epi at the uh, the first of that means uh, like a, it's it's a skin, it's the surface, it's the thing that's attached. And every time the word heavenly shows up, it is this word in the Greek. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it is a fusion, if you will. Uh, now, and I didn't, I didn't try to make this up. I didn't see this before. And then all of a sudden we see that the word heavenly means a fusion. Mm. Wow. Uh, it's, and, and then, uh, as we go on down through all of this in verse 51, we look at the word changed behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Talking about coming out of the resurrection is what he's talking about. And the word changed, what is that, Daniel? That's a lasso. That is our word. That is where the word alloy comes from that mm. we went into with you guys. So mm. what, when, when we're raised from the dead, what has happened? An alloy has happened. Wow. Now, we have another word here. The word heavenly means the earthly and heaven have come together. This is. We need to go into this word because the the word it's not just heaven, it's epi heaven. So when we look at this, what do we get out of epi heaven or heavenly or celestial? So epi is a primary preposition proper properly meaning superimposition mm-hmm. to superimpose. Um, it's translated a lot of on or upon. So to superimpose. Yes. As we were looking at that, Michael, we had looked up in the dictionary a definition of to superimpose. And it means to display or print an image or text over another image so that both are visible at once. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So the heavenly, the, uh, so heaven and earth are visible at the same time. Hmm. Preach. I think Jesus answered that question when they asked him, show us the father. Yeah. And he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Wow. Uh, because that's what, uh, that's who Jesus was. He, he was the superimposition of God himself. That, that where that if you saw one, you saw the other, the, uh, now I doubt the people that looked at Jesus could see God, mm. but it didn't mean it wasn't true. Yeah, they obviously any concept that they had of God, they argued with this man. <laughs> I mean, they they uh, they crucified him, you know. Um, so obviously, this is a leap for the mind to be able to allow ourselves to awake to righteousness. Uh, and so that's why these terms, this superimposition of uh, of heaven and the uh, on the, on mm-hmm. the earthly, and this alloy process, and both of these both of these processes are spoken of in the resurrection. That this happens in resurrection. This happens when the seed dies and when it comes out of the ground. The body that it has is the body that it has. Mm. 
we know that is a very uh, uh, powerful thing about uh, genetics here in this uh, planet. Uh, and that is that you can't make a fish with the bird. You can't, you know, there's just, so you can, you know, the, the, uh, you can fool with the colors, you can fool with the sizes and, and things by, uh, uh, uh the, the process of, uh, beginning to only allow, uh, bigger birds to mate with bigger birds or more yellow birds to, mate with more yellow birds and you'll get more yellow birds, but you're never going to get a fish to be able to mate with a bird. It's just not going to happen. Mm. Uh, I, I don't mean to be condescending to you in making such a statement, but folks, that is just how ridiculous it is that we have passed up this concept that God and the angels and everything about heaven has been superimposed into the earthly. And the, the earthly has been superimposed on heaven. Wow. You can't, you, there's, there's, they are so uh, uh, in, imposed, if you will, superimposed upon each other that when you see one, you've seen the other. Mm. Jesus said that. Wow. Uh, now he didn't say. Now I want to give you. Uh, let me give you the mystical view of this. Now you Jews. Now if you just if you just knew better that uh, just look at each other. When God sees you, you're seeing God. When God, no, He says I'm the only one. Mm-hmm. When you look at me, I am the only human being that's ever existed that is God. If you've seen me, you've seen God. He didn't say if you've seen any of us, you've seen God. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen God. Yeah. And this is what our aforementioned friends are trying to sell the world, that this superimposition, that the cross accomplished nothing. Uh, Why are we on the mystics? I'm on everybody who's saying that the cross (laughs) accomplished nothing. At least the Christians say that it accomplished something. If you believe if, and there's no even ifs or buts or maybes with, uh, with the mystics, uh, this is, it doesn't make any difference. Uh, 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 this didn't change anything. Jesus was just a man. As you were talking, Michael, I looked, there's, so this word is used 21 times in the New Testament. Which one? And uh, Eperonius. Oh, okay. Eperonius. And uh, heavenly. And Wow. Interesting. Just by a quick glance at these uh, t- 20 verse or 21 occurrences and 18 verses, all the verses are talking about post-crossed realities. Wow. Uh, so heavenly was never used to describe something that was mm. in the pre-cross heaven. Uh, it, it all had to do with the post-cross reality of heaven on earth. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding. Jeez. You. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what we're seeing. That's what we should have seen if what we're saying is correct, mm. is that it would be an only a post-cross reality yeah. because heaven had not been imposed on the earthly and the earthly had not been imposed on the heavenly. Mm-hmm. And the alloy process had not taken place. Mm. 
And even when we were speaking about this the other day, I don't even know if we were on the air. I, Daniel and I have conversations like this, and we're not, we're not on the air about anything. It's just we're so excited about the subject, we go through it again and again. And uh, we were talking about the alloy process and the power of that process and the, uh, the elimination of the wicked. I think we may have mentioned it on a previous show. I just don't know. I, I can't. I don't know which one is which anymore. But whether in the body or out of the body. <laughs> I cannot know, but I do know I was in the third heaven. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but the power of this was not only does it take two individual elements and through fire does it cause these two elements to become a different element. Mm-hmm. That it's a totally different element. It, it is a non. Uh, it's an element that never existed before. But both elements come into it with impurities, if you will. Yeah. And the the very same fire and process of heat that uh, alloys the two together causes the impurities of either to come to the top, and they scrape off the dross, as they call it. Mm. And uh, uh, that's how, and that's what we had read uh, when I just, I couldn't believe we read it, that, uh, that Matthew defined who the wicked one was uh, in this sowing and uh, process. And uh, not only did he uh, define this uh, whole process, uh, but he also said that at the very end, then they would separate the wicked from the just. Mm. And we already had the definition of who was the wicked. It wasn't <laughs> separating the good humans from the bad humans. And so that's when this, wow, this whole picture came up of this alloy process that it actually separates the dross from mm. either entity. Now yeah. you say, well, why in the world would God have to have the dross uh, uh, separated from his entity? Because the dross was the angels that he created. Mm. And they were in his heaven. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, they got separated. The, the wicked was separated from God and from humanity. Oh, here I go again. You know, <laughs> I'm about on third floor now. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Getting high. <laughs> uh, so uh, this powerful process that has taken place uh, needs to be emphasized, not denied. Now, this doesn't have to do with who's wrong and who is right. It has to do with truth. Mm. And the truth will make you free. The gospel is the power of God. It is important to get the story right. Yeah. And if the story isn't right, whatever the power of God is, then uh, we're not going to have that in the operation that it was intended to. We are going to remain asleep to righteousness. We're not going mm. to be able to see what it's like to be righteous. Wow. Uh, folks, that's all of our intention in doing this is we want you to be able to see what it means to be righteous. And mm. it is found, according to Paul, in the resurrection from the dead. Wow. 
Shall I read a few more verses here? Well, I just don't see how it could hurt at all. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Verse 41. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. For one star differs from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, and it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, and it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, but it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body, and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Wow. Well, I I mean, you know, I could have just stayed shut up for the last <laughs> 10 minutes and we could have just read this because it's exactly what it says. Mm. Uh, and, and it says that the difference is the glory of one is different from the glory of the other. And yeah. what has God done? He has given us his glory. Mm. Uh, there's only one way for God to give you his glory, and is, that's for you to become him. Yeah. Because the, the glory of one is in the issue, not of the issue of doing. The glory is in the issue of being. Mm. And if you don't be, you can't have, if you don't have the being of a bird, you can't have the glory of a bird. Yeah. You, can't have, you can't have the glory of a fish unless you are a fish. You can't have the glory of the celestial until you have become the celestial. Wow. Uh, that is the uh, glory, uh, and, and Paul went into this in, in, in Corinthians here in this uh, book. He's, he talked about the, the, the glory that existed before and that we have come from glory to glory. Yeah. We have come from one body of glory, the earthly, to the other body of glory. The heavenly. Mm. And uh, to the point to where we are alloyed, we have received this superimposition to where that if you've seen any, if you've seen humanity, you've seen God. Mm-hmm. And if you've seen God, you've seen humanity. Wow. Uh, now, this is the future. This is the progress of the human race. Until you stop disqualifying yourself. Because of whoever's religion got into you, it's the disqualification of ourselves. Now, I admire what their goal is of mere Bible. It's to try to get you from disqualifying yourself. But you see what they're doing in in mere Bible and in global grace and all of these is they're taking the story out that causes you to be able to see with clarity that you have become something completely different. Uh, If Jesus was just a man and this could have happened to anybody, then you have no point of reference because Jesus did raise from the dead. So that makes him not just another man, folks. Mm. Uh, You could say, yes, it'd take just any man to crucify him. But... um, uh, the the power of the resurrection determines uh, out of the resurrected uh, uh, body comes a whole new body, mm-hmm. and that is Paul's story here in 
First uh, Corinthians chapter 15. And the, the fact that all of this took place in one work, in the cross, in humanity, in God, in Christ, uh, in uh, the angelic, uh, uh, everything uh, earthly, everything uh, of heaven has now been superimposed upon one another. Wow. And uh, as uh, he says, and read these next uh, couple of verses here for us, Daniel. Verse 46. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward the spiritual. Well, there goes their whole doctrine. Yeah, that's like the spiritual did not exist before. Mm. Uh, The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. Mm -hmm. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. Wow. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we also we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Wow. And, of course, then uh, we know that we have borne the image of that heavenly in this resurrection. And then Paul begins to go into this uh, it, uh, when it would happen. Then verse mm. 51, he says, uh, but we shall all be alloyed. <laughs> wow. Uh, and, and, and how long is this going to take? A moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. Mm. For the dead shall be raised heavenly. Wow. What is incorruptible? It's heavenly. It's just heavenly to be incorruptible. (laughs) (laughs) That's what heavenly is. Heavenly is not some spooky world. Heavenly is a uh, is, is is righteousness heavenly is that human beings have become the righteousness of god in christ that's heavenly mm-hmm. and that is empowering but it can't be empowering if you don't know the story one of the reasons that i love uh studying genealogy and you could look at my profile on there I mean, I've been doing Daniels. I, I do. Uh, I do you too. You know? <laughs> uh, some might call me a genealogy whore. I don't know. But, uh, I don't care whose genealogy is. I'll research it for you. And you know, I I might add that uh, the professionals at this uh, uh, charge uh, uh, as much as a hundred and fifty dollars an hour. Wow! To do this work. And now I am not a professional because simply I've not gone to school, but I've spent 18 years learning what they learn from, and I learn it from them and uh, of how to do this research. Uh, you can't do it just by falling into Ancestry.com. Uh, there are ways of doing the research. And then, of course, the other thing that I don't have access to is the uh, identification of DNA now, which has changed. Oh my gosh, you talk about bounding forward into a new world in, into mm. this. But I'm fascinated by where we all came from. And the reality is, once you start going back, you wouldn't, I mean, it, it's amazing how many people I know that I've found out that we share a common ancestor. Yeah. After you get back 100 years, 200 years, 300 years, 500 years, uh, 600 years, uh, but you got to understand at some point we are all share a common ancestor. Yeah. 
and uh, and that is in the creation of the world. And now we all share the common ancestry of Christ, mm. and uh, we are all of one blood. It is it, we we are one in Christ. This is not a mystical term. Being one in Christ is not a mystical thing. It is a reality. Yeah, it is a reality. So uh, I this was good for me. Uh, uh, after we had finished that time, whether it was on the air or off the air, I know not. <laughs> <laughs> but this one thing I know is that suddenly <laughs> the reality that Paul was making sure we understood that each body has, each seed has its own body. Mm. And uh, it, you can't change that. Yeah. But the miraculous thing about it was through death, burial, and resurrection has produced a whole new body. Wow. Uh, because we didn't just die, we rose from the dead again. Mm. We rose from the dead in Christ, and we yeah. were raised in righteousness. Mm. I, I think it's real cool here in verse 47. This first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. And then in verse 48, he references that there's the earthly man made of the dust, and then there's the heavenly man. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the man is the Lord from heaven. So it's interesting yes. that he came from heaven, but until he got to the earth yeah. as a man superimposed with the Lord from heaven, yeah. that he became the heavenly. That heavenly didn't take place until the superimposition took mm. place. Wow. And uh, so we had the whole new being here in the body of Christ. Yeah. But for the prototype, the prototype, the prototype <laughs> there's, yeah. there's Don again. Uh, the prototype was here, but it could not reproduce until it died mm. and rose from the dead again. Wow. And, and with that resurrection comes a brand new body. You know, I. The Apostle Paul was a genius. My he God. He was indeed, yeah. I mean, he has told the story in so many different ways, and which has allowed us to tell the story in so many different ways, and it just really is. And, and now even Michael's learning new ways to tell the story as we look at science and understand fusion and, mm -hmm. and genealogy. It's just helping us to tell the story. So that's a compliment, Michael, that you are brilliant as the <laughs> Apostle Paul. I thought that's what you were saying. <laughs> um, uh, whether I concur or not, I do know I have a heavenly body because you know <laughs> all I got to do is look in the mirror, and it's like, my goodness, that's heavenly. So, <laughs> so that 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 strip show might not be out of the question. <laughs> Come to the Calgary conference. <laughs> yes, exactly. But the price is going to go up. <laughs> Because you will have never seen a man make a bigger fool of himself than that. So. <laughs> Isn't that entertainment when you watch somebody make a fool of themselves? Oh, goodness. Well, Michael, uh, <laughs> with that in our minds, um, what about if we close out here? Um, I know we spent, uh, and I'm glad we did spend some time on that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, but um, let's keep the train moving here with our search through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John on the angels' involvement 
in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we could get through Mark. Uh, there are five verses that uh, mention angels, and a couple of them we've already seen Matthew's version of it. So the first one appears in Mark chapter 1, verse 13, and this is just like Matthew when Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted. Uh, Mark 1, 13 reads, And he was there in the wilderness forty days, tempted of Satan, and was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered mm. unto him. So amazing how uh, consistent this story is. We cannot ignore the ministry of angels mm. in the uh, existence of Christ all the way from before the foundation of the world until uh, the uh, superimposition of God and man took place in the body of Jesus Christ. And uh, uh, the ministry of angels in bringing that about. Now, um, the angels knew uh, uh, from what we've been uh, given privy to here is that the angels knew the plan. They just didn't know when the plan was going to be carried out. So we, we have the, uh, the reality that the angels knew would you would you say that that's the truth that the angels knew the plan they just didn't know as jesus said they didn't know the even the day or the hour he said yeah. even he said he didn't know the day or the hour right right yep yep that only the father knows the day only the, the father yeah wow. so uh there is a marked difference between uh the two as far as these realities are concerned saying the father knows this but i don't Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said that the angels don't know when the hour or the 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 moment would come. Uh, but I've you know I've uh, had this odd little thing going on in me of trying to place myself in this big picture of the angelic world. They now have one third of their own have become. Uh, destructive um they want to stop the christ Mm -hmm. Uh, and their whole ministry is since before the foundation of the world is to now that once the, the whole uh plan was hatched if you will uh they seem to we, we think that it's firm that they did know what the plan was. They just didn't know when mm-hmm. the plan would be complete, even as Jesus said he did not know. Uh, but the involvement of angels in making sure that this took place is unmistakable. Yeah, yeah, they definitely had a, had a part to play. Yeah. So where else do we see this? Um, uh, chapter 8 and verse 38 Whosoever, therefore, shall be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed, when he cometh in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. Mm. Well, uh, they were certainly looking for a particular moment and a particular time to come. And, uh, you know, he said this is a... a, a, 
uh, everybody's a sinner. That's basically mm. what the statement is, is that everybody's a sinner. And uh, he said uh, that uh, whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation. Now, I'm just really glad for my uh, uh, friends in mysticism that this is not a sinful and adulterous generation. Yeah. Because uh, they're ashamed of Jesus. Yeah. They're ashamed of the work of the cross. They're ashamed of the uh, substitutionary work of the cross, uh, the uh, uh, penal substitution. Uh, boy, they, you know, you just say that and they, you, they just almost physically groan with disgust. Mm. Uh, that blood had to have anything to do with it. And it's, it's, uh, uh, the, the wonderful thing I can tell you here, even though we know people who are ashamed of the work of the cross while they preach Jesus. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, they are not going, God is not going to be ashamed of them mm. because of what happened at the cross that changed everything that saved them from this judgment, even those who have judged the cross to be less than what God himself, the prophets, Jesus, and all of the apostles have affirmed it to be, uh, the audacity that they could stand alone and say this, and people listen to it. Mm. My, my. Um, the next one is one we've looked at a couple times already. Uh, chapter, twi- cha- chapter 12. Chapter <laughs> 12. Wow. <laughs> I try to say 12 and 25 at the same time. <laughs> chapter 12 and verse 25. When they shall rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels which are in heaven. Yeah, uh, pretty powerful statement. This uh, this merging of uh, humanity and the angelic, uh, and uh, he's talking about that after raising from the dead, that there is this uh, non distinguishable difference between angels and humans. Wow, interesting. Now I didn't put that in Jesus's mouth. I mean, you know, I, just, I did not do that. Yeah. Uh, uh Jesus said that after the resurrection that the ability to to distinguish a human from an angel was uh you couldn't <laughs> and I can't remember if it was I think it was Luke's um version of that writing is he said that you would be equal as the angels in heaven he, yes and if it's in that same verse or the verse after it talks about Jesus and the Father being equal. So it's putting those on the same platform. Yeah, it really is. Just so incredibly powerful. There's so much in this show. I, You know, your head ought to be spinning. Uh, <laughs> I know mine is, goodness gracious. Uh, two more here, and both in chapter 13. First one is in verse 27. And then shall he send his angels and gather together his elect from the four winds from the uttermost parts of the earth to the uttermost part of heaven. Mm. That, that one got me last week when we read that in, I know. in Matthew. And he gathered it up from the earth. And where did he do it to? To the uttermost parts of heaven. Yes. Mm. Wow. Something's about to go down in Something's heaven. about to take place in heaven. He has gathered 
all of the things in earth and all of the things of heaven into one mm. place. Mm. Now, what did he bring everything together for? Well, you just might find out when you tune in to the Calgary <laughs> Conference coming. <laughs> and the last one is the one that you mentioned in verse 32. But of that day and of that hour, mm. this is in the same context in which the angels will gather these all together. But that day and that hour, no man knoweth, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but only the Father. Wow. This is a story that deserves to be told mm. uh, in its totality without watering it down, without coming up with different uh, versions uh, of your own to come up with your own story. I think the story, the testimony of God and the testimony of Christ is sufficient. Uh, it is the testimony of Christ that has uh, caused the angels to overcome the devil and destroy him. Uh, that's what we read already in the Revelation, uh, that they defeated him completely. And then other things take place. And so it is. We must leave you, family and friends. If you'd like to know anything about the Gospel Revolution, then call our office on 832-318-9339. And speak to us about how you want to participate. Or go to www.gospelrevolution.com and hit the connect link. You can find us on your favorite social media network, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Please be sure to hit that subscribe, share, and like button on whatever platform you are listening. Now, it's good night from Daniel Rouse in the frozen tundra. And it's good night from Michael Lilborn Williams right here in uh, the last train to Clarksville. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll meet you at the station anytime you'd like. Uh, we love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please uh, comment. It just makes a world of difference. If you comment, it means somebody else might see it. Mm. If you just put down a like, if you just click a like or a dislike, I mean, you know, yeah. uh, that's how this works. Other people see what we're doing that would not see you. In, and in that, you don't have to contribute a dime for us to do. Mm -hmm. But there's this is just how this works. And uh, if you do nothing, you're, you're the same as sat right next to somebody and uh, had the opportunity to share the gospel with them and just didn't do it. And it could be somebody that desperately needs to hear it. So uh, we'll shame you into it. We'll do it. <laughs> Goodness, we've, we've cajoled, we've done everything to try to get people to respond. And we know by the number of people who are watching the videos, if we just had that many likes or dislikes or whatever, you just would not believe what a difference that would make in the fact that other people are going to hear because you acknowledge that you heard it. And uh, don't ask me how that works, but that is the way it works, isn't it, Daniel? Yep, that's the way it works. It's called some algorithm. Algorithm. We sure hope that you enjoyed today's PowerCast. And remember, we'll be here to do the same thing all over again next week, only better. Since you're knocking on the door, you're begging to come in, yeah. Unaware that all the while, love's been knocking from within. You are the love you see. A perfect day you
Deconstructing religion and barbecuing the sacred cows of Christianity before your very eyes. You are listening to Gospel Revolution. 